Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe, Dogs 24-7. With me are Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. And the NFL Draft is here. We're going to get some sports. We're not going to get to watch people run around and kick or or catch or, or, or shoot a ball into a hoop or anything like that. But we get one of the great at least in my opinion and and I get I, I'm going to I'm going to see what the the other guys think about this too but to me this is probably like it's it's top 3 sporting events every single year like it's the one I party for I I figure out something really good to cook and and you know get some get some beverages and and really just hunker down for the first round of the NFL draft I love day 2 I really enjoy day 3 uh, I do it from a fan perspective because I love the Denver Broncos, but I also do it to follow Georgia players, to follow SEC players and players that I really like from the college ranks. It's a lot of fun, and uh, we need it. I think we need it. We've all kind of been shut in for a while. I mean, heck, I've gone, I've resorted to watching TikTok. Uh, I, I probably scroll through you know hundreds of TikTok videos a day, laughing my laughing my behind off. So I, I definitely need some alternate entertainment, uh, guys. Where does the NFL draft? rank for you as far as a, a sporting event every year rusty it'll start with you yeah, i'm with you i like it and um obviously with last year with nashville i don't know that we'll ever see anything like that again you know i had a couple years ago in chicago and it kind of had a good start but when you look at what nashville because we've all been to nashville so much with our company headquarters there and of course we were there right before all this stuff broke down but uh i mean seeing nashville last year the I hate it that we're not going to get to see Las Vegas because I, I think that's the one place and how they had it set up. They were going to do, you know, you had to walk out over water to get your draft. Could you imagine Las Vegas tonight, the night before the draft, uh, how crazy that town would be? But I love it. I love the combine because of my my scouting part mine. I love all those numbers and seeing people and verified things. And uh, so I really, really love the combine. The draft is fun it's fun to watch uh and, and see these kids come you know dreams come true we've all covered these guys and whether it's on the high school level or the collegiate level it's fun to watch those guys reach a pinnacle uh, of their careers and get paid man to, to to live out a dream most of these kids played since they were five six seven years old and i was just looking at some pictures of andrew thomas the other day as a freshman he came to mvp camp and i just remember the coach Telling me, you know, the, the you know, Coach Kevin Johnson going, hey, this is this is a guy. I mean, this guy's that special, and uh, that was the spring of his freshman year. And of course, his body's changed so much. But uh, I'm interested to see where Andrew Thomas goes, and it's fun to watch this. But I'm like you, Jake. I'm gonna I'm gonna lock in, and um, you know, I'm in this weight loss deal, so I don't know how many calories I'm gonna burn uh, at all Thursday night or Friday, or how many I'm gonna take in. Uh, sound like a sound like a good place to tailgate your house, Jake. Maybe 
maybe if I come over, if I'm stay six foot apart, I can just sit in the yard and you can throw me some scraps and a beverage out the door. Yeah, man, and you're welcome. Everybody's welcome to come if they want to. We'll, we got plenty of room around here at the Ponderosa. But uh, I, I, I love the draft, man. Like, I mean, it's, 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 my, it's one of the things I invite a lot of people over because I like to show off and, and, and cook some stuff from the smoker and, and uh, you know, do some funny things with pulled pork, made some nachos a few years ago, uh, kind of seasoned it like, uh, like you know, Mexican style and smoked it up, and, and those were a hit. And uh, I, I just – I love it, man. And, you know, you bring that up about the combine. You, you throw the combine, you throw the NFL draft in there, 17 weeks of regular season, four rounds of playoffs. I mean, if you were like, hey, you get to, you get to, you get 25 weeks or, or events each year or 25 days a year to watch sports, I would have a hard time not putting those things into my 25, each and every one of them, week one, week two, whatever. And then the combine's definitely going to be in there. And then the draft's definitely going to be in there. So it's 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 all what I'm all about. I'm really excited for it. Um, you know, well, the one thing that, that that you know from our angle is it is work. You know, like we will be working during this thing and, and writing stories from where the Georgia players get drafted and stuff like that. The good thing is we'll have some of that done beforehand. And and uh, but but ultimately it's it's one of those things where you know yeah the work does take away from a little bit of the enjoyment, but I'm watching the draft for work. So I'm not going to complain. Uh, Kip, where, where are you at on it? Uh, I mean, I, I spent year after year, you know, growing up with my Street and Smith, my Lindy's, my Athlon magazine, Sports Illustrated, just spread all over the coffee table, had the whiteboard, had the notebook, you know, trying to predict every single pick that was going to happen. I remember that 2001 draft, you know, as a Falcons fan, obviously trading up for Michael Vick with the uh, with the Chargers. Leonard Davis was in that draft, Marcus Stroud, uh, Richard Seymour, LaDainian Tomlinson. I remember Justin Smith just just reading over every single guy, the, the pros, the cons, the scouting reports. It's just <clears throat> there's that direct correlation to recruiting. You know, we're trying to evaluate these players. I mean, it's pretty obvious that the NFL draft being that it kind of existed in the mainstream before recruiting kind of came to the forefront that's what kind of got me into this industry to begin with. I, you know, I decided very early on that this was just something I was fascinated by, just trying to evaluate these players and, and see if, you know, if you can, if you can get one right, you know, if you, if you can be right on a guy that other people weren't. I mean, that's that's really one of the most enjoyable things, not just about the draft, but recruiting as well. Finding that guy that everybody else counted out, that overlooked, and you know, finding that. That 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 sleeper uh, prospect is is really just it's just something that we all love to to have said we've we've done at least once. So of course the draft is center stage and and uh, you know I think it's it's just great entertainment as well. I mean you know just looking back over the drafts and watching people you know grade each pick and then seeing you know guys that they were incredibly wrong on and then seeing the high picks that. You know, just don't pan out. It's a reminder that as as good as we're getting at this, it's still not a science, and it's it's there's still mistakes made left and right. But also, franchises are made through this. I mean, this is the best building block for an NFL team, just like talent acquisition is the best building block uh, for college for college programs as well. Nailing those guys, you 
you know, the five-star guys, you want to get as many of those as you can, but you really want to nail those three-star guys, you know, the mid uh, high three-stars. Those are what make or break you as a program, getting some of those guys correctly. You know, just like like with Georgia and Solomon Kinley, you know, Sam Pittman coming in uh, at the last minute in January and offering a, a mid-three star from Florida and him having a chance to, to be drafted, you know, in, in the early to mid-rounds of the NFL draft. Those are the kind of evaluations that can make your program. So just with the NFL draft, those fourth, fifth, sixth-round picks that pan out, undrafted free agents that – that pan out as well. That's what makes your NFL team, especially with the salary cap. So it's incredibly intriguing for me. You know, it's, it's always been one of, if not my favorite day of the year in sports, really even more so than the actual games, just because it's hours upon hours of just fascinating uh, TV, seeing where all these players that we covered in high school and college get to uh, continue the NFL careers yeah, it is incredibly enjoying. Uh, it's a new aspect, obviously, with us now with our jobs. But just, I mean, 20 plus years of my life, I've just been incredibly intrigued by this event. It's not it's not going to stop now. And obviously, with this this draft being done remotely, uh, I'm interested to see what hiccups happen. I mean, that's it's it's tough on them, but it'll still be entertaining on me. I hope it's not my Falcons. I hope it's the same team it usually is and the new york jets find a way to screw it up again and have a bad internet connection or something like that but uh i, I can't wait to see it real quick let's not take too much time on this because we want to jump into the georgia thing but but something you brought up when you were listing all of that stuff off from from that one draft from that michael vick draft it got me thinking your most memorable nfl draft and and for me it's that 1998 draft the peyton manning ryan leaf one I remember watching that. My grandmother had a had a uh, floral had a florist uh, store the storefront there and, and there in Pearson and and I remember having her TV on and watching that entire first round from there and, and it was a it was a dial TV uh, and and somehow I, I don't know how we ended up with it maybe maybe it had the little uh, uh, analog cable box on top but I remember watching that draft and you got Peyton Manning you got Ryan Leaf Robert Edwards from Georgia. Uh, went in that went in that draft number 18 Robert Edwards was at the first Georgia game I ever went to was that South Carolina game where he exploded in 1995 Takeo Spikes is another guy from Georgia in that draft I remember you know my Broncos you know had the last pick of the first round which is what you always want and they got Marcus Nash out of Tennessee uh, he, he didn't really pan out but there were just some great players in that draft Fred Taylor from Florida I think was a top 10 pick that year to Jacksonville uh, you know, Kyle Turley went to uh, went to the Saints in that draft, and you had Charles Woodson. I mean, you end up with Randy Moss went in that draft. You had three NFL legends go in, it, and that was probably my most memorable one. Rusty, what what do you have one that kind of stands out to you historically as as a draft that's real memorable? Um, you know, I'm I will say this selfishly because these two young men we both covered, and I got to know real well. But watching the draft a couple of years ago with Sony and Nick and finding out where they were going to be, uh, just because I knew uh, those two young men and how much they'd been through, specifically Nick. And, uh, you know, I was at the Tennessee game when he got hurt. It was one of the, I actually got to go sit in the bleachers. It was an away game. So uh, kind of a backstory on that. He gets hurt, and his mom is sitting about four or five rows uh, behind me. And, you know, and his girlfriend at the time and seeing that reaction from them and uh, just knowing everything that he went through to get drafted where he did. 
uh, Sony as well, you know, his background and coming back from ACL, ACL injuries to wind up going in the first round. And just that draft really, um, really, um, you know, kind of a very, very cool moment that, you know, we know those kids, we cover those kids, and we, we truly got to watch them from the day they got offers from, from major colleges to, you know, a first-round draft pick, and I think Nick was like the third pick in the second round. So that one was was a little bit different selfishly because, uh, you know, I was rooting so hard for those kids. But to see, you know, guys like Alvin and Kamara and kids we've covered, uh, you know, uh, Carl Lawson, all those guys, that me, all three of us have covered watching those guys. Uh, Derek Brown's going to be the same way for me. I, you know, I've known Derek for a long time. Still talk to him every now and then on text message and, uh, you know, he, he's likely going to be a top 10 pick. Andrew Thomas, likely top 12 pick. So, uh, it, th- those are, that's what separates this for me. Take the fan side out. I'm just happy for these kids because, you know, it's such a, it's such a big deal and a life changing moment. And we got to watch it. We got to be front row, uh, to watch these kids grow up. Yeah, absolutely. Roquan and, and Isaiah Wynn in there as well. I mean, you know, I'm kind of in the same boat. I've known Isaiah Wynn since he was a sophomore in high school and, uh, you know, getting a chance to cover him throughout his recruitment. And then at, at the school, I mean, I, I, he's one of the guys that I covered, I feel like, the longest and, and the closest, uh, you know, so I, I definitely understand that aspect of it as well. Also, Rusty, your boy Brandon Tolbert went in that 1998 NFL draft in the seventh round. So, uh, Well, I'll tell you this. I watched uh, – and, and he didn't know – uh, where he was going to go. Um, and that was when the draft was, I think Friday night was the opening round. And then you did that all day Saturday and then you did it all day Sunday. You finished up the rounds. And, uh, I remember Saturday I watched it with him and his, and his house, his family, uh, in Villa Rick. And he really didn't know. He thought maybe fifth round, uh, and really truthfully, people don't realize that Brandon, his pro day, he went from, not many people to all of a sudden like he needed an agent. I mean, Brandon ran like four four eight at two hundred and thirty five pounds, six four linebacker. Uh, he really, really put on a show. And today's world, if he did that with this much attention, there's no telling where he would have got drafted. But uh, definitely watched it with him at his house and didn't go back with him. Didn't go back to his house on Sunday. Didn't quite know where he was going to go. Uh, and, and then uh, Jacksonville picked him up late. So had a high school teammate played ten years in the NFL. So that draft certainly was on another level. Uh, my high school teammate Ken Urban went right at the beginning of the fourth round to the Buffalo Bills, and uh, that was probably my best, uh, most proud moment. You're talking about somebody that I share a birthday with. We got the same birthday. We played together from the sixth grade on, and we still talk twice a week. You know, Twenty. 30 years after graduating, whatever the heck it is now. But uh, I've had some very, very good friends that just went to NFL, and those are certainly on different levels. But, yeah, that's a good point, Jake. You know, uh, I got to experience a little bit of what happens on a draft day, and when you don't get a call when you think you should, but I'm sure next year will be a little different too. Uh, you know, obviously covered Trevor a long time and his family, know them well, and uh, that's going to be on another level. Kip, which one's most memorable from you? I, I feel like since – hearing you reel off all that stuff from the Vic draft, that might be it. Uh, I really like that draft. That's kind of the draft that caught my eye just as as a fan. But, I mean, as far as the drafts go, I, I love the 2004 draft. I mean, you're talking about Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger all going in the first 11 picks. And then you still had Larry Fitzgerald, Vince Wilfork, 
Jared Allen, the late Sean Taylor. Uh, I, I think that was just that was an incredible draft. That's when you had the University of Miami setting that record with six first rounders, and then Ohio State having fourteen players selected. The, that draft was just uh, just incredible to watch, and, and a lot of big time players uh, coming out of that one. Over thirty Pro Bowlers, I think, came out of that draft. But my favorite moment actually came after the draft. You know, 2015, uh, you know, a guy that did not get drafted and would, would later sign as an undrafted free agent, Boss Andrews. Just that moment. Having David Andrews sign with the New England Patriots as an undrafted rookie free agent, that moment for him, just like with Rusty, I mean, seeing these guys we covered, you know, have that opportunity to play at the next level and then seeing him just do the exact same thing he's done at every stage of his career. I mean, a guy who was, you know, really had to earn those offers uh, a lot of these guys are getting offers as eighth graders, ninth graders, sophomores now. Uh, Boss had to go and camp for almost every offer he earned. And, and I just remember that that Georgia camp, them putting that 400-pound D-tackle on him and, and asking him to, to stand this guy up and just watching him hold his ground uh, against a, a guy that weighed well over 100 pounds more than him, you know, earning a Georgia offer. Being the life, you know, lifelong Georgia fan, getting the offer he wanted, and, and you know he had to earn it every step of the way. He goes into the camp with the Patriots, you know, and and just walks right in and started every preseason game because I think it was Brian Stork got hurt, and then Ryan Window got hurt as well. Makes the roster, and then starts starts at center in Week One, you know, as as a rookie, undrafted free agent, and obviously now has two Super Bowl rings and, you know, has started 57 games, you know, hopefully able to, you know, stay healthy and, and come back and get back to the field again. But already at this stage, you know, as a 27-year-old to have two Super Bowl rings and have that many starts, it's just an outstanding story for him. And I, and I was really happy for him. Similarly, just Miko Harbin, spending time at his house with his family, uh, with him coming out of, you know, Elbert County, Elberton, Georgia, Talk, talking to him and doing some some Periscope lives back in the day on, on Dogs 24-7. Him talking with it, with his parents about just, you know, that dream of, of trying to find a way to get to the NFL and, and taking care of his family and, and him hearing his name called and going to the Kansas City Chiefs and, you know, winning winning a Super Bowl a, a, as a rookie, being able to take care of his, his family that's that's really what kind of connects me to this draft at this stage in my life now is that we have that personal connection with a lot of these guys and, and that extends to fans as well. I mean, they, they they have fan favorites. There are guys in these teams in college that, you know, that really win a lot of people over and then to get to see them continue into the NFL. It just adds a, another element of enjoyment of watching the NFL draft. And that's that's what this weekend is going to be. Uh, for a lot of us and so that's that's just what makes this event special and it just makes it so different than everything else in sports all right now here's what we're going to do uh, as far as the georgia part of this goes and and before i say that i, I i've said this before i believe on the podcast but kid you mentioned me at miko hardman i was at his first high school game kid put the ball on the ground in a, in a rainstorm now about six seven times and and it was the he, freshman in high school probably 14 years old but you still knew at that moment you watching him run around that night you're like man this kid's gonna be unreal and and that was against Buford and and he did actually turn out to be just a star and did some great things at Georgia and, and is still getting better as a player 
played his third year ever at wide receiver this year and won a Super Bowl with uh, Kansas City. So he's going to be a stud, and, and, and that's that's been a fun one to watch too. But, okay, so here's what we're going to do. All right, we're, first of all, we're going to start with the first round, and we're going to talk about how many guys we think Georgia's going to get get selected in the first round. I believe Rusty told us before the show the over-under is at 1.5, and I think that's a perfect number for it because Georgia's guaranteed one for the most part because Andrew Thomas is going to go in the first round. And then after that, could be none, could be two more. So uh, maybe an outside shot at three, although there's probably like a one in 10,000 chance of that happening. And then we're going to talk about the guys that are likely to be drafted. And and I don't think, you know, I think Georgia, I, I put up a piece today projecting Georgia to get nine guys drafted set a school record. But at the same time, like, I, I still only think there's six that you're super confident will get drafted. Like, there are six that, like, I would put money on getting drafted. And then that's about it. So we're going to talk about those six players individually. And then we're going to talk about one guy outside of that six uh, and put a caveat on that that we think has a chance to get drafted or get signed as an undrafted free agent and spend a long time in the NFL. So let's start with this. Just a number. Rusty, how many Georgia players get drafted in the first round? One. Kip? I'm going to go with two. I think DeAndre Swift is still the top running back in this draft. I know that position is uh, up for debate as far as its value right now, but getting a guy on for that fifth year of a rookie deal uh, before you know he has to get paid more than what most franchises are co- comfortable paying a running back in today's uh, landscape, I think that'll get DeAndre Swift in there in the back end in that 26 to 30 range. I'm going with two as well, and, and I'm going with two because I, DeAndre Swift, Miami, all of that heat, you know, all of that discussion, the fact that it's their third pick, why not use it on a dynamic back when you don't have one? So I, I'm going with two as well. So Rusty one, Kip two, me two. All right, now let's start with Andrew Thomas, all right? I, I, I am on the record. I projected him to go number 10 uh, to Cleveland. I think that's a good good setup for him. I think that's a good pick for him. Rusty, where are you at on Andrew Thomas? I like that pick. And when you go say that, who who if you're Cleveland Browns and you're doing this and you've got a person that's as respected as you could possibly have in your franchise, Nick Chubb, you go to him, you think Nick Chubb is not going to stand on the table to say, hey, that guy can do it because Nick Chubb knows Andrew Thomas. Uh, he knows what type of person he is. I just really think, you know, I know they're trying to pick apart all these things to separate these guys. And, again, I want to say all about all these tackles, the four that are most talked about, these are all really, really good players. And I don't think Andrew's going number one. He may not even go number two. But you talk about a fit, um, a guy that could protect, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, a guy that can run block as well. I know there's some talk about he loses balance and that type a little bit in the run, the run game. Uh, a little bit overextends those types of things. Just everything I read about it, that's kind of the little nitpicky thing about Andrew Thomas. But as far as a left tackle, we've talked about it a million times. I think it'd be a great fit for him. Um, you know, they they need to have – they've got to have offensive linemen, and I can't think of a better fit, and I can't think of a better resource than to go talk to Nick Chubb. Hey, you know, this is a guy you want blocking for you. We're going we're gonna to put a, a millions of dollars in here. It's a big investment for, for, for us and you 
it's a guy you want on our team, and I have to believe that, that Nick Chubb would speak up uh, immensely for Andrew Thomas. And you know that question's been asked. Like you know oh, that that oh, they yeah. you know if they, if they're even considering him, they're going to they're going to a guy like Nick Chubb or somebody oh. else maybe in their organization somewhere that has had some interaction with Andrew Thomas or saying, hey, what's what's this guy really like? You know, so you definitely know that that Chubb's had that opportunity. Uh, Kip, where are you at on Andrew Thomas? I mean, I think he should go inside the top ten. It, it's funny we're. You know, Rusty asked me who I thought would be the first offensive uh, lineman drafted. Uh, I think it's going to be Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, but I still can't understand why Andrew Thomas isn't the consensus number one offensive tackle in this draft. It's incredible. He's got the experience, and he he's played the left tackle position. You look at Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. You look at Jedrick Wills out of Alabama. You know, outstanding prospects, but... These are guys that have ex- most of their experience playing right tackle. And right tackle, again, important position, obviously. Uh, but left tackle is still the premier position as far as, you know, just the, the draft and positions other than quarterback. And you're, you're projecting Tristan to play left tackle because of his athleticism. Uh, we know Andrew Thomas can play left tackle at a high level. I mean, it's it's. Again, we've said this so many times, it seems like they are overthinking this. It's too complicated. But as far as where he's going to go, um, I, I think that Cleveland is probably the consensus location on where he should go with the Buccaneers at 14 being the, the four. Uh, but I, I like him to Cleveland as well. I think that, that they shouldn't screw this up. He's a foundational piece for them in that offense and they should go ahead and lock that up. They have the right tackle, bringing in a left tackle, and, and get that franchise going in the right direction. All right. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're all on the record there as, as Andrew Thomas to, to number 10, and I'm with you, Kip. I just think there's been a big-time overthinking thing going on here, and uh, Thomas, to me, is not just a sure thing. He's a super high-ceiling guy. I still think he's got a lot of room to grow and a lot of room to get better. And uh, I think he's one of Georgia's best draft prospects, one of Georgia's most sure thing draft prospects in a long time, in a really long time. Uh, All right, so let's go. DeAndre Swift is pretty much the consensus next guy on the board. In fact, Matt Miller actually has DeAndre Swift as a draft prospect ranked higher than Andrew Thomas, which which is kind of kind of dumbfounding to me. But I also think it's a big time compliment DeAndre to DeAndre Swift as a football player, and and it just kind of sucks for him that he's playing a non premium position. Uh, Rusty, obviously, you don't think he goes in the first round, but but where, where do you think? Do you think he's in the? Do you think he's a Nick Chubb first rounder in sure. the top thirty five picks? Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. And and very well could be. Um, I have thought all – and listen, people will really um, – that people like Kip was talking about, you know, writing down the board and keeping up all the draft picks. You're going to look at all these draft projections and you're going to see they're going to hit for a majority of these in those top 20 picks. Kind of – those top 20 picks are going to unfold. Then you start talking about 21 through 32, and that's where you generally start having those misses. Now, what I'm starting to see is more of a trend with DeAndre Swift out of the first round. Very well could go exactly where Kip said, anywhere from that 25 to 32 range because he is a he's a guy that's, you know, it's a three-down back, and 
explosive and all everything that we know about him. I just are starting to see a little bit of a trend of him falling out. Um, you know, all this, the way the, the running backs valued a little bit now. Um, I just really think that he's probably going to be in that top 35 somewhere. And, um, you know, you hope for the young man, he goes in the first round. I remember, remember talking to Nick about, you know, the, the amount he lost in between that first and second, that, that upfront money is, is, is large now. You know, I think he was like five or six picks behind, uh, or three or four picks behind Sony. It's a large amount. So you hope for Swift and his family that he does go there. You'll get paid sooner or later, regardless of what he makes. Um, I do think he's a, a long time NFL back. I think he's going to be really, really good in NFL, but, uh, I just think he's going to be right there on the cusp at the end of the first, maybe. I would tend to say probably early, early second in those top four or five picks. You know, the, the whole money thing kind of throws me off as far as running backs goes, and I don't want to get on a big tangent here, but here's the deal. If you think that the, that the running back position is so physically demanding, which it is, and, and you're worried about the shelf life of a running back – wouldn't you want to draft one, an elite one, and pay him up front and get and pay for his first four best seasons, and then cut bait and and maybe let another team try to take a chance on him? That that's the one thing that's kind of always blown my mind there. I mean, I understand not wanting to give a guy a second contract, but if you can get Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott type of production in those first four years in that first contract, go ahead. Get it. Draft that guy and, and let him make a difference for your team. That's why, to me, I, I have him at Miami at 26 because Miami's making their third pick, and so they've got a chance to meet other needs before they get to the dynamic running back spot, uh, similar to what Oakland did last year when they took Josh Jacobs with their second pick of the third uh, first round. But uh, that, I like that. But I also could see him going to Kansas City where Kansas City says, hey, let's add this guy to our offensive repertoire and, and kind of keep it uh, kind of keep this thing buzzing and you're doing it with the last pick of the first round they've got him for four years along with guys like Tyreek Hill and and Patrick Mahomes and Miko Hardman so I, I I think there's a there's a couple of stop gaps there that might keep him in the first round but I, I'm with you if he slips to the second he's off the board in the first few picks where are you at Kip yeah I agree with you I mean the Dolphins they need a running back they're you know they have those three first round picks but also you know they, they pick again at 39 you know, if they have Swift higher on their board, they have to imagine he's not making it to 39. You know, a team at the top of the second round is going to jump in on him, you know, like like the Lions, per se. That's, a, you know, another good fit. I, I love the fit with the Chiefs. I think you look at what he brings to the table. You know, there's questions whether he can be that, that workhorse, true workhorse back. But if the floor is Duke Johnson and maybe the – you know, the better comparison is a guy like Dalvin Cook. Uh, you know, you add that to the Chiefs offense, and, and it's really it has to be terrifying for, for the defenses. You know, NFL just thinking about trying to stop that. And like you said, that was my point earlier. If you can get him on that, that rookie contract in the first round, he's 21 years old right now. When that contract's over, uh, you know, let him hit free agency and try to do the same thing again. I mean, that's that should be – I mean – I hate it for the running backs out there, but that should be what the NFL front offices try to do is to get that Pro Bowl caliber rushing ability uh, at that ro rookie contract scale. And I know you, you could you could counter by saying maybe you can get that in the, the second, third or fourth round. But 
Uh, you know, why take a chance? Why start trying to gamble when when you know what DeAndre Swift brings to the table as far as his instincts, as far as what he can do between the tackles in the open field and obviously in the passing game as well? You know, there, he has too much uh, ability and, and different ways you can utilize him to, to try to second-guess yourself and, and go for a running back that may have some more holes in his game. Just get this guy – when he's young and healthy and, you know, again, worry about it in the 2025 draft again. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And and I, I do think DeAndre Swift's game is tailor-made for the NFL. Not going to surprise me if he ends up being one of the, you know, guys like a Christian McCaffrey, who he kind of compared himself to a Roger Craig and, and uh, uh, Marshall Falk type where he catches 100 passes in a season because he literally caught just about everything thrown his way at Georgia. Uh all right, now, Isaiah Wilson, none of us have him as a first-round pick. I have him coming off the board early in the second round to uh, to the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. I think that's a great pick because I think they're going to take a quarterback early and then they're going to need to tackle. Where do you guys have him going, starting with you, Rusty? I like that pick. I think he's a uh, you know top 50 kid. I think he's going to – you know I've read a little bit about the Chargers as well um, there, but I, I think Isaiah – it's going to benefit from, you know, these four guys coming off early. And we've talked about this in earlier podcasts. There's only so many, um, there's only so many body styles that that guy that has that size, that frame that he has. I think it's going to be one of those deals where he, uh, he's going to, he's going to shoot up the board a little bit. And I think the more guys that get picked in the first round is going to help him maybe where he goes from 50 to maybe, maybe he jumps in the top 35. So, Interested where he goes, but I, I think he's going to be it, – it, you know, look, it's going to be close with him and Swift. I think both of those guys, I think he's going to benefit for the amount of offensive linemen and offensive tackles that will probably go in the first round. Uh, I know the young man from Houston shooting up board, so if, the, if we wind up with five or six NFL offensive tackles uh, in the first round NFL draft tomorrow night, I think that Isaiah Wilson is going to benefit quickly, and he could jump 10, 12, maybe 15 spots. Yeah, you've got the kid from Houston. You got the uh, the the kid from USC. The Austin, I think it's Austin Jackson's his name. Yep. So there there are a lot of tackles in this draft. If you came into this draft needing one, you're wide in good receivers, shape. Wide receivers. Oh and God, that that's just going to be a thing from here to eternity. I feel like with the spread offenses, there's wide receivers everywhere. All kids want to play wide receiver now. Uh, Kip, where are you at on uh, on it on Isaiah Wilson? I kind of think the depth of the class may hurt Wilson a little bit. I just think that teams are going to feel like they can get a guy that they potentially can plug in and be a, a starter down the road later in the draft. I'm, I'm not saying I'm too down on him. I think he ends up being a, a very early third-round pick. Uh, I, I think like the Bengals, if they don't address their offensive line earlier in the draft, I think they could take him at 65, number 65 overall, right at the top of the of the, of the third round and, and give Joe Burrow his right tackle you know, that that he needs, assuming that they do take Joe Burrow, which I think we all do expect him to, the, to take him number one overall. I just think that, you know, he, he's still kind of raw. We've talked about his upside, how he gets, you know, better every game. But I still think that where he is right now, trying to potentially plug him in as a starting right tackle, maybe it, it's more of a midseason thing. So I think that as far as his value, that might get him into the third round. You know, he is a little... Uh, heavy-footed at times, but at the same time, that size, the movement, you can't coach that, and you can also get double value. Maybe he's maybe he ends up playing guard for you 
uh, initially and then moving the right tackle down the road. I think there is a little bit of versatility there with him. So I have him as an early third round pick. All right. Now we're going to take a break here real quick. Uh, and then on the other side, we're going to talk about the three remaining guys that, that we know get drafted or we feel real confident will get drafted. And then we're going to talk about a sleeper. Before we do that, I want to let everybody know right now at Dogs 24-7, 50% off. This is something that's going to last until 11.59 p.m. On, uh, on April 27th. This is for the NFL Draft. You can sign up right now. Get six months for free when you sign up for an entire year. Incredible deal. Basically cuts, your, uh, uh, cuts the cost of a membership in half for you for, for an entire year. I mean, you can look at it monthly. You can look at it for, for how much money you're going to save. There are a lot of different ways that this can benefit. And it also gives you an opportunity, guys, to to come to our uh, website and, and to participate in our draft watch party. We're all hungry for some human interaction right now. We're all wanting to see a little discussion and, and participate in a little discussion. Well, join up with us today. Join up with us early tomorrow, whenever, and you can absolutely get involved in that discussion, share your takes. We'd love to have you. Uh, we're going to be available for you at all times there, is whether you're on the message board, direct message. Uh, you're going to get the, the full college football season. You're going to get early signing period. You're going to get late signing period. You're going to get everything as far as the VIP information that we provide year-round, X's and O's breakdown, expert chats, all of that stuff for 50% off. Come check us out over at dogs247.com. Let's jump into a break. We're going to get to the rest of the show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, here we go, guys. Let's go with number four uh, here, and, and I'm going to go with, with Solomon Kinley here. Obviously, we got Solomon Kinley, Jake Fromm, and J.R. Reed remaining. And Solomon Kinley, I, I projected Solomon Kinley, number 92 overall, to the Baltimore Ravens because I just think he's the kind of guard the Baltimore Ravens are wanting. They need interior offensive linemen, and they love to run the football. They, I think Solomon Kinley is, a, is an adequate pass protector when healthy, and, and I think that he's the type of guy that fits that mauling-style run game they built that team around this past year. So I have him going number 92 overall, giving Georgia four guys in the top 100. Uh, Rusty, where are you at on, uh, on Solomon Kinley? I've got him um, at the end of the fourth. I, I looked at that a little bit this morning, and I looked. I went back and looked at some of the guys' guards in the last two drafts, and there's really kind of been a little bit of run on guards uh, around that area. So I think, uh, yeah, you know, you look at him and started, what, 35 games at Georgia. I, I think he has a great um, – I think he's got uh, great tape and some great games. He's battled some health issues a little bit, some weight issues at times. But 
overall, I think that's a young man that's going to do great uh, in interviews, and I think uh, I think that he's probably helped himself uh, this offseason with some teams. And, um, you know, I would love to see him maybe team up with Andrew Thomas again. There's some talk. saw a couple, you know, a couple draft predictions that maybe he ends up in Cleveland. So, listen, Cleveland needs help big time. They need help. Their offensive line, what Nick Chubb did with their offensive line was a miracle. They need help, and they're going to draft multiple offensive linemen. So, who knows? Maybe Nick Chubb gets a few more dogs with him, and I'll say uh, I'll say Cleveland Browns at some point in this draft um, may take Simon Kinley. Kip, where are you at on Kinley? Uh, I've been sitting here in shock since I heard you, Jake. I projected Kinley to the Ravens at 92 overall. Uh, I think it was last week in my prediction piece because I just think that they need to push Bradley Bozeman and Ben Powers at both left and right guard. I just think they need more competition there, and that just felt like a perfect fit. So uh, I felt like uh, you stole the words right out of my mouth because it, it really felt like you did. Like I, I think you read my piece, and, and obviously. I, I'll say this. I swear I did not read that draft piece last week. I, well, I should have, but I swear I did not read it. And, I, and I, that's the same thing I put in my projection. I'm sure folks thought we were in cahoots about that. We absolutely weren't. More proof that we don't read each other's stuff. That's great. That's what we need right now. Uh, I, I like that pick. I think that's a good spot for him. I think that, again, you know, just keeping uh, keeping the weight in check. Uh, when he was, you know, when he was at 330, you know, I don't know if he was ever at 315, but when he played at, you know, that 330 range, uh, his, you know, that, that second year, he was one of the best guards in the country. And he played some of the best, most inspired interior offensive line football that, that we've seen at Georgia. And I think that's that's if you put on that film, that's NFL film right there. And I think that's why he has a chance to go inside the top 100. Yep, I, I feel that way, too, about him. I, and I also think teams, if he does go there, then we're going to learn something about the way teams evaluated him. And it's that they paid a lot of attention to the 2018 film and not very much attention, not as much attention to the 2019 film for him because two completely different players, injury played a part in that. But 2018, he was a bona fide stud. Now, Jake Fromm, we, we've all kind of discussed this already, so this should go pretty quick. But Jake Fromm, uh, he, he's the next guy up, I guess, guess the number fifth guy. I think we kind of project coming off the board. You know, I, I look at Jake Fromm and, you know, I. I didn't see a top 100 pick. I don't see it there, but I've got him just outside of it. And I've got him going to Minnesota uh, there, I believe, at number 105 or 106. I, I don't have it pulled up here. But I have Jake Fromm going just outside the top 100 to Minnesota in the fourth round. Uh, I'm sorry, late in the third round as one of those supplemental picks. Uh, Rusty, where are you at on Jake Fromm? Well, obviously, that's a big discussion. We'll have fun watching that one. I'm going to I'm gonna stay. Uh, he goes over 100, but... I'll tell you this, that that definitely had some talks with some people around this situation in the last day or two just to just to gauge it. And I made a post on the board. Uh, Tennessee and New Orleans are two teams that's had multiple conversations pretty late here with him. Um, not just one phone call. We're talking about two or three phone calls apiece, and that's due and due deal. They're not the only teams, from my understanding, but it's interesting. You go back and look at those picks, and you start looking around that range. and And New Orleans has one at eighty eight, and then you go you look at Tennessee at ninety three, 
So could he slip right there uh, in that third round and go a little bit under the 100 pick? He might. He very well might because there's some teams right in front of that at 88 and 93. It'd be interesting to see. But I'll stay over 100, and I'm going to do a piece tomorrow, my final prediction on these guys and where they're going. Uh, Jake, like the piece you did, um, Dogs 247 today. But, um, you know, that's very interesting. 88 and 93 could be in that, in that, in that range we think he's going to end up. Kip, where are you at? Where do you think Jake Fromm goes? I just think there's too many spots in that third round where he could end up going for me to to stay outside the top 100. I mean, the Patriots, again, they get connected with him a lot. They have the number 87 pick. They have the number 98 pick. They have the number 100 pick. The team's rusty set as well. Uh, And then you look at uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, they could take him number 76 overall and say, you know what, we'd rather have him as Tom Brady's backup than Blaine Gabbert. And, I mean, that's an, for me, that's an easy decision as far as who I'd rather have as my backup quarterback. Would I do it at a 76? You, you know, you can debate that, but I think that, that late in that third round, I think quarterback's a position that, again, it, you always want to continue to try to bring in a guy that you think could be uh, a viable, you know, guy in the, in the locker room, a guy that can help your team a lot, and a guy that you don't have to worry about not knowing the playbook and, and not knowing where everybody should be if he is, you know, he's called into action. I just think that's, that's a good spot for him to mold into a, you know, five to ten year player in the NFL. All right, let's move on to J.R. Reed, number six guy off the board. Another, the last of the guys that I, I feel like are, are, we're real confident that he can get drafted. Uh, where do you think JRE comes off the board? Because I think I went a little high, a little higher than most, and I have him coming off the board in the fourth round to Miami uh, with the uh, 141st overall pick because I think the world of this guy. I think that he's a phenomenal football player. I think he's a great human being. I think that he's he, – it's not going to – to me, if, if you were to say he's going to go undrafted, if, if he went undrafted – I, I would still expect him to be a starter at some point in his NFL career. That's just what I saw in three years of covering the kid. I, I, I couldn't have a higher opinion of uh, really anybody, and, and I have him going number 141 to the, to, to the Dolphins. Rusty, where are you at on JRE? Again, I go with uh, the numbers right now, and I think, I think he's going to go under 160, and that's the mid-fifth round, uh, anywhere under 160, so 159 and under. Don't really know. Hadn't done enough research on what team possibly for him yet, but um, you know he's got a lot of game tape. He's got NFL pedigree. He's smart. He made calls. He's instinctive. Um, you know he's not a burner, but he's definitely a uh, a really good football player. And uh, I, I can see him going under 160, which would put him some point probably in the fourth or very very early uh, third round. Kip, where are you at on uh, on Reed? I think he's a fifth rounder. I think you know you get right outside the the top 150. I think that's when you start seeing where he'll bring value to the table, just based just because of the instincts. You need, you, you uh, if you got a, a starter that uh, you know, let's just say like my Falcons with Keanu Neal, uh, a guy who's injury prone. Uh, you want a guy that you know you can plug in there, and he's not going to be lost out there. I think that's definitely J.R. Reed in spades. And while, again, 
athleticism he's he, you know he's not testing off the charts he, he doesn't have that size and length combo that that you want at the position but he's also i, I don't think he's going to hurt you in any area i think his toughness uh his intelligence and, and that football iq is going to make up for that lack of athleticism and give you solid play and i, I think right there in the fifth round that's where you're going to find great value in a safety like jr reed Listening to you say that kind of reminded me maybe how similar he and Jake Fromm are as prospects at their respective positions. A super high floor, a guy that's going to be ready for his time. I, you know, obviously Reed. You know, in terms of parallels, that Reed's a better athlete, but but it, it just kind of the, the some of the attributes there are just so similar. And uh, I listen. I, I, I Jr. Reed is is a guy that I believe in, and and I think he's going to play in the NFL for a long time. All right, now eliminating Tyler Clark, who is a guy that I know all of us would probably go to number one in this discussion for as far as a sleeper goes. I think we all think really highly of Tyler Clark. Shocked he didn't get invited to the NFL Combine. Really believe he's going to get drafted, and I think he's going to be a really good player. I haven't projected to New England uh, in, in the. Uh, I believe in the fifth or sixth round, I, th- I think he's a guy that could go higher. And I think this whole uh, in the sixth round, I have him to New England. I think he's a guy that could really benefit from this whole lack of testing and all this stuff for for draft for guys. And they're going to look at film and they're just going to love what he what the what he did. Uh, who's another guy that is a sleeper? Maybe he goes in the sixth, seventh round. Maybe he doesn't get drafted at all. That you feel like has the best chance to stick around in the NFL for a long time. And I'm going to go first because I feel like I feel bad going last all the time because I get a chance to listen to what you guys say and kind of form my opinion off that. But but I'm going to go with Charlie Warner. And, and I'm going to go with Charlie Warner because not necessarily because of – obviously not production at Georgia because he didn't do a whole lot. But I just think that, that the toughness at the tight end position, he's a really good athlete. I think he's the kind of guy that could get into a system and be maybe like a like – a, uh, the the kid from Oklahoma that had such a great year last year with Baltimore Andrews, I think it's Mark Andrews. I think he can be a similar type of player, maybe outperform what you expected from him. Andrews had big numbers in college, but but I really think Charlie Warner is a good football player. He's going to play special teams for you, and I think he's a guy that that gets drafted later, doesn't get drafted at all. I don't have him projected getting drafted. Who signs and has a pretty good NFL career? Uh, Rusty, who who is that guy for you? Rodrigo Blankenship. Um, I just think he can. He's such a weapon kicking off. Yeah, you've watched it, Jake, for ever how many games, and the and the Georgia special teams. All they did is basically run sprints because he would kick it through the back of the end zone. Uh, that's invaluable. He's made some big time kicks. Now he missed a kick against South Carolina this year. That you know, he's human. But I just think the makeup of him. Not sure if he gets drafted or not. Probably, maybe late in that seventh round at some point. But I think Rodrigo is one of those guys. Look, if you stay healthy and you can make some kicking, you imagine Rodrigo in a dome somewhere. You know, I mean, that just helps the kickers even more. Uh, you get him somewhere. I think he's got the leg. I think he's got the drive. Um, I think with with you look at him and what he does with kickoffs, man, he's. He is a uh, you know very 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 valuable special teams player, and I could see him playing in the NFL uh, for a long long time. Well, I've got to project it to the Falcons in the seventh round, so I can I can definitely imagine him playing in a dome. He's hit he's missed some kicks in that place, and and he hit a big one in that yes, 2017 yeah. national championship game. So he he's a guy that can definitely do that. Kip, uh, who's your guy? 
I was going to go with Hot Rod, but you know what? I'll, I'll go with Lawrence Cager. If you know if that ankle's is healthy, if he's had time to to get completely healed up, when he's on the field, he showed he was a difference maker. I know the the you know the Miami Hurricanes did not get the version of Lawrence Cager really that Georgia got. Uh, I think you know that when he came to Georgia, he looked quicker, he looked more fluid and comfortable when he's on the field, and he caught a touchdown. Every, every five and a half catches, I think, it, it was a touchdown catch for Lawrence Cager. So I, I think that when you're talking about a guy that's almost 6'5", 220 pounds, who, when he's on the field, is focused, you know, you don't have to worry about that consistency from the mental aspect of the game and then his ability to, to win the contested catch battle. Uh, that has a lot of value uh, for a team. Uh he can be that number four, number five receiver that on third down or in passing situations, when you got to throw the ball downfield and, and kind of push it a little bit with a lower percentage play, he's a guy that can really work the outside or the middle of the field. He made some of the most impressive catches for Georgia last season. And again, I think the medicals will push him outside of the draft, but he's a guy that can come in as an undrafted rookie free agent and really, you know, earn a role. And again, if he can stay healthy, can play a long time in the NFL. Well, folks, there you have it. That's our NFL draft primer, basically. That's where we think, uh, what we think about Georgia's players in this draft and broke it down for you the best we could. Can't wait for tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can watch on ABC, ESPN, all those different channels, NFL Network. Going to be a different experience for all of us, but I think an experience we all need. And, and you're welcome over at Dogs 24-7, 50% off uh, an annual uh, membership with us. And, and you can get involved in the discussion. We're going to be all over it. Uh, but for this episode, that's all we've got. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell. This has been the Junkyard Dogcast, and you guys take it easy. talking about if i'm gonna go to limb human i like it i love it it's original and heartfelt Ta-da! and the must-see comedy of the summer <laughs> that's perfect for the whole family this is just so exciting if ready pg now playing in theaters